All right, guys, so we're back with another episode of the Game Trail Podcast. Uh, today, I've got a, a very special guest, and I'm trying to remember how we even met. Did we just connect yeah, on definitely. social media? Definitely. Yeah, I don't know if you reached out or I reached out. I know at one point I was probably looking for some strings and, and probably saw your name, or maybe you reached out. I can't remember, but I'm sure it was via social media that we connected, and I was looking, for, like I said, for a new string builder um, and connected with you, and I've since bought some sets and, and put them on and had really good luck. But I want to do a podcast uh, today, and this is, like I said, Austin Kincaid. You have a business called High Voltage yep. Bowstrings. Perfect. And uh, I just wanted to pick your brain about everything bowstrings because I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I've ever listened to a podcast where anybody's really ever dove super. There's been a few, but not with the questionnaire. This one's a little different. So, <laughs> and hopefully we'll get to. I don't know if we'll get to all of them. We may not, and that's okay too. But just, just burning questions that I want to know. I was, I was asking some guys in the office, kind of running through some questions with them, and and they were like, oh, I would never think of asking or even want to know about that. But I, I think if I want to know, there must be a people out there yeah, that want to, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, I think it's about twenty five percent of the people that do place orders. They have a lot of questions. Now the questions they ask, they don't even know what they're they're asking common questions, and these are like you hit the nail right in the head when you sent me this questionnaire, so to say, right? So mm-hmm. people ask these questions, but they really don't even understand the question they're asking if that makes sense right because right. you're looking into a fiber they know nothing about so why are they qualified to ask the question right so right. Yeah. you know if i need yeah, right. you know, a gear you know if i have a gear question right and it's something i know you use i'm going to take your opinion on it you know so mm-hmm. yeah and I, th- I think that's i think that's the thing with with strings and maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse. I want to ask you about your background and, and who you are here, and we'll get to it here in a sec. But I think specifically when it comes to strings, it's kind of like the last frontier on like DIY type stuff. You know, I think there's a lot of guys, especially now where the internet's so prevalent, and you can pretty much find the information that you're looking for via you know a YouTube video or an article or something like that. And you know, I think there's more and more guys moving into buying bow presses. Um, you know, buying arrow saws and jigs and they're doing their own arrows and they're doing their own bow work and their own tuning. But like strings is like that last frontier. Like it's, there aren't that many guys that are actually building their own strings far and few between. And even, even a guy like me, I've been, you know, kind of doing a lot of my own work for a bunch of years. Like I've never even dove down that rabbit hole yet, even though I'm interested in it. But I mean, if you think about a bow, um, your driving force is the string. It's probably the most critical piece of equipment on your entire bow, right? So, so that's why I want to talk to you about it before we, before we dive into that though, give me a, give me a quick rundown on, on who you are, where you're from. Um, just some background for sure. So like I said, like you said earlier in the intro, I'm Austin Kincaid, um, 38 years old, originally from Western Illinois, uh, kind of corn, corn Hmm. country type kid, uh, grew up, you know, shooting whitetails with a bow. I think I killed my first year in, uh, I'll be 1994 with a bow. Um, you know, an old Hoyt intruder, super loud shotgun sounding bow, um, Kind of just got into yep. archery at a young age, you know, I shot competitively when I was like six years old, all the way up, you know, into high school, um, and really got more into hunting and kind of got out of like the early days of target archery, um, when equipment started to get a little bit better, you know, in the late nineties, um, ended up graduating high school in Western Illinois and then found myself going to school, for, mm-hmm. you know, in college in uh, Western Oregon. My dad's been an engineer as long as I've been alive, and uh, he took a job opportunity with a uh, big name company in Western Oregon, and it's kind of at that point where I was getting ready to go to college, and you know we're better than the West Coast, right? At that, like to get the opportunity to just yeah. move out of corn country and like 
get to elk because that's been on my mind since I was you know, 10 years old is like, I want to see a bull elk in the wild. Mm-hmm. So getting to that, like that opportunity, you know, that free opportunity to move and kind of like dip your toes into that. And then, you know, went to school, mm-hmm. got done with school, you know, moved into, you know, marriage, all that stuff. Right. So that's kind of who I am just a diehard yep. bow hunter, you know, by nature an engineer by nature. Um, that's what I do for a living full time. And this is uh, my late night endeavors, to say the least. Gotcha. This is a, a it's, labor yeah, of love. Yeah, I love it. Why do it, right? So. Um, yeah, and that's most string builders that I talk to, guys that run kind of like you're and I. I don't know the size of your shop or if you have other employees, but most guys that are smaller string builders, um, it, it's pretty. It's a it's a lot of work, right? From my understanding, it takes a lot of time and effort and skill. It takes equipment to get into it, and most people that I talk to, uh, guys that I've had build strings for me in the past, they all pretty much say the same thing. It's, it's if you didn't love it, you yeah. wouldn't do it because it's not like you're you're getting super yeah. Rich, I mean, huh? honestly, man, it, it's it's just funny because like you know people ask people, you know, in Oregon's where I really cut my teeth doing this, right? And you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just jump right into the first question you originally sent me. So like, when did this happen? Right. I guess yeah. we can just shoot right into that. So this was, yeah, you know, please. about 2015, um, my previous string builder, Tom Parkinson, hell of a guy, air force guy from Idaho. Um, I mm-hmm. probably would be hard pressed to say one person that listens to this podcast doesn't know who Tom is. Okay. Um, you know, and when, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do. Right? So you, you get into this, right. You get into the technical side of archery. Um, and then you learn there's a wait period with bow strings. If you want, you know, quality custom one-on-one manufactured strings, top to bottom, and you're looking for a, a, a fantastic product. I mean, it's going to take a while to get them typically. Right. Um, and I got kind of mm-hmm. sucked into, you know, where I lived in Oregon, there wasn't, there was like one or two local bow shops and it was just kind of a fight or flight, like in and out type deal. Um, and I was always mm-hmm. that guy where that's just not good enough. And I have to work on it myself. So, you know, I've had my bill press since 2010 and uh, really yep. just dove headfirst into setting up bows. And then pretty soon it's, you know, 50 local guys, bows, 200 local bows in the summer, you know, scratching $20 bills out of guys mm-hmm. type thing. And then uh, before you know it, you know, I'm ordering strings through Tom per se, and uh, he can't support yep. that type of clientele. And then you get pushed into this, right? So it's not a, it's, Hey, people recognize what you're doing, you know, how much you love archery. And then your friends come to you and they go, mm-hmm. you kind of need to take the reins on this. Right. And that's, yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at that stage where you were, you were at, like, I'll, I'll set up a few bows, you know, from buddies or coworkers every year. And, and typically I'm doing the same thing. I'm, I'm reaching out to guys like you to build strings or I'm trying to find a string for their bow and then I'm putting it on and tuning it. But I've never jumped across that line to really go deep into actually, you know, string building. So for you, like, what was it that put, I mean, it sounds like the demand was there. You were working on, you know, friends bows. And I mean, if you were doing 200 a summer, you're way above and beyond what I would right. even consider Yeah. I mean, doing. like, you know, an entire, <laughs> I would never, yeah, I would never. Wall full of bows. You know, and then reaching out to, you yeah. know, other string builders, um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, order out, um, you know, mass produced strings. These, there's a, there's two different crowds though in this man. I mean, you can't, you can't make everybody happy. There's mm-hmm. the guy that's okay with, you know, and there's nothing wrong with these big companies. Hell, we need them so bad. Right. I mean, I, you yeah. can't, I mean, there's millions, you know, you know how big archery is now. There's millions of people in the United States that are in archery, right? There's no way that the mom and yep. top guys, you know, like us can support that. So, I mean, thank, you know, God bless these people that can produce hundreds of bowstrings a day. Um, you know, it, it's needed, but 
at the same time, there's also the, you know, the so-called basement bandit warriors like us, right. That nothing's good enough, but one-on-one like handmade custom product, right. The, the level for detail is, yeah. you know, it's just unacceptable to anybody, you know, in our shoes. So, yeah. So did you, did you have a mentor then that helped you like get started into building? Mentor was my how savings. Did you, how did you learn that? How'd... So, That's, I mean, when it comes oh, really? to doing this, I mean, nobody's, you know, you know, nobody's going to hold your hand doing this. That's the thing is, you know, the minute I mm-hmm. hold your hand, um, you know, I'm giving you all of my information, right? Years, years and years yeah. and years of trial and error and money and information is not always free, right? I mean, um, to, to some degree, right? And yeah. there is there is amazing people. So the people that I work with now, you know, Tom Parkinson, John Mosier, John's Custom Archery, um, you know, Adrian Lair at Haas Archery, Shane Brummett at Buck Slayer. These are the people that, you know, Shane, particularly John and Tom, these are the guys that helped me with a lot of the learning curve stuff, but nobody gave me anything with it. You know, it's, it's, you have to buy yeah. the materials, figure out what works for you because yeah. what these guys do is not the same. It's not the same process that I run. Right. I mean, it's, we literally laugh about it. It's like our fingerprint is so unidentifiable between string set to string set. And you've seen all of them. So, yeah. I mean, there's little things you can see, right? So, oh, for sure. Yeah. I've, I've bought, I've bought and used a, a bunch of different brands and including, I think pretty mm-hmm. much everyone that you just mentioned. Uh, I've had sets of strings and Shane was kind of my go, my go-to guy for a long, a long time, but you're right. When you get a set of strings from a string builder, like you can definitely see their signature in the, in the set of strings. And I think probably for a lot of people when they get a set of strings, um, you know, it's just, it's a set yeah. of bow strings, right? But I think once you once you've gone down the rabbit hole deep enough and you've looked at a, a, a bunch of different strings and put them on different bows and tuned and played with them and stuff, you can definitely see people's signatures. Yeah, it might be a little harder strings. to tweak timing on one set than the next, or you know, you might pull them out of the package, slap them on mm-hmm. the bow. The specs might be a little bit more, you know, a little closer. But however you get them from that builder, and, yeah, and loops. and loops, right? The transitions how it comes up and onto the loop or off the loop. I mean, you'll notice little things, you know, serving diameters. Um, you know, just little recipe stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not that they've learned that from asking other people. It's just trial and error. I mean, those guys that I named off, these guys have been doing it forever, right? It, it's been a long journey. Yeah. We're How, still uh, learning every single day, man. Mm-hmm. So I, I assume you, so I agree with your, your point that you're saying it was your bank account, because ultimately I, I really do think that that's the that's the biggest difference. I mean, you, you can find the information to get started, you know, whether, like I said, whether it's an article or, you know, an archery talk sure. thread that just goes on, you know, for different days and days or a YouTube video, you can find those, but it really, you're not going to figure it out until you've, just yeah, you've got to learn your formula and you, and you've you know, just done attention it. on, you know, the, the actual string material when you're laying out, cause I'm sitting here looking at like my string jig right now. And I have it set at like 54 and three eighths, right? I have to build a 16 mm-hmm. string later. That's my layup length on a four pose. Okay. Now you could call any of those other three guys I mentioned, and that's going to be a variable length. Okay. Mm -hmm. For that same finish length of string based on twist and, you know, other things we'll get into here in a minute, but you could go through, you know, you could sit 200 string builders in a room and everyone's going to laugh at each other based off what that layup measurement is on a four pose. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How long did it take you before you felt like, yeah, I've got a good handle on this? Like, I, I feel I feel confident in because I assume you probably built sets and built sets and shot them and played with them. Like, how long was that process before you were like, yeah, I've, I've got this thing? Right. Oh, I think I lost you there, buddy. Oh, 
maybe I'm, a little I'm at least i lost here. your can video I, can... oh really am i back now you just um, let me know when you're back we can edit it <laughs> yeah no it's all good um we still got yeah. good audio though okay okay um so yeah go, go ahead yeah so i mean you know it's one of those things there's definitely a confidence issue you know when you when you build your first set of strings you really don't have a starting point right so you're kind of just doing stuff and then you're learning you know how to get the length right with a formula that you started with right so there's a point mm -hmm. of you know in string lengths are kind of redundant because what you pull off a bow isn't what i'm going to send you like because you order a set of strings for a halon yeah. x doesn't mean what Matthews tells you is what you're going to get from me, you know? So there's, mm -hmm. see, I mean, I think the best thing is to learn is to, you know, get a desired length picked out, figure out a, a way to get it right and test it. Now for me, I had a lot of the right people in line that are just like we are when it comes to tuning a bow. Right. So I had some people in line and the people that kind of pushed me to do this were, you know, the us, there we go. I got your audio back. Okay. Or your uh, visual. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having yeah. people in the right place that really know how to work on bows and tweak it and just, you know, eat out of your checkbook and eat those strings and build those strings and spend the hours. Yeah. Cause you know, when you first start doing this, you, you think a lot of the stuff you're doing is the right thing, stretching strings for a long time. You know, you, you think you're doing a lot of things the right way. And then the more you learn about it, you learn that what you, you were an idiot when you started doing it. Right. But, you know, sure. before I sold my first set of strings, I'm not going to take it anybody's money until I pay federal excise tax, right? It's the law. Mm -hmm. You have to be insured yeah. to take people's money too, because if something goes sideways, well, um, sure. there goes your house or your shop, or, I mean, you, yeah. you need to be very realistic on this. It is a dangerous freaking game. Um, to some level, there is some sure. danger involved. Um, you need to have a lawyer. That's another thing. I mean, you have to have a lawyer on tap. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I had the right people in line where none of that mattered. And I was giving them free product. And then once we came to a head, I'm mm -hmm. like, hey, this is a product that's going to make it through the season. It didn't take that long to get there, you know, maybe a month. But that's me being obsessed mm -hmm. with it. Um, and I've sure. always worked in an industry yeah, where I had a lot of time. Building. You know, I worked like compressed work shifts, right? So it's like three 13-hour days and then I had four. Hours. So I could spend, you know, 12 hours a day mm -hmm. out there for 48 hours, not make it a penny and uh, figure this thing mm -hmm. out. You know, and it's it, it took a little bit of time, you know, like I, I'd say about a month of you know, having other people come over, you know, close friends of mine putting strings on and trying to like eliminate those little issues. Right. And gotcha. And you're, 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 you're burning through. Yeah. I mean, just I'm copious sure. amounts just of material, test, you know, you're testing. paying full retail for it at that point because you don't have a business license. Right. So you're paying yeah, retail through Lancaster. Right. You're paying retail through anybody that pay, you know, that sells string material right at that point. Um, so you're eating a copious yeah. amount of money. And then of course all your buddies want like, multi-colored strings you're you're really having to fork over for like yeah. material and then you're getting waxy material which is like counterproductive to string building anyways so you're you're not really mm -hmm. learning that well because you don't have access to everything that's really good and then like the price of halo serving gotcha. per se my god is it expensive at retail yeah. costs like it's almost it's almost like it's so expensive you shouldn't use it if you're building at retail cost it's that expensive so gotcha so at this point, how long do you think you've uh, been building strings then? So we're right at like eight, so, eight okay. solid years of doing it. Yeah, eight like solid, of, solid of hard. It. Like I've been in business for eight years, so yeah. Gotcha. How, uh, let me, we're going to jump into some other questions. Uh, just off the top, I think probably one of the most common questions I get is like, how often should I replace my bowstring? And my yeah, and I think. What, uh, what, what's your advice for people? And you probably talk to people. What, what's Man, I hate to say them? it, but. 
it's just, it's just a lot of it depends on the tags you have, the type of shooting you do, right? So like my pro archers, they absolutely hate changing bow strings. They'll shoot, you know, 15 yeah. to 30,000 arrows through them because they hate making any changes to the bow. So they are not the people yep. to really talk to about it because they'll shoot strings till the fuzz is just blown out of them, right? Um, bow hunters, depending on, you know, depends on where you're from. If you're in the Midwest hunt white-tailed deer and you're throwing your bow in the truck and you're getting up in the morning and hunting deer, three years, man. Like if you're replacing them more often than that, mm -hmm. you clearly are like we are and you're just going to do it as maintenance. Um, but, you know, it, it's a lot of it depends. You know, if you got an antelope tag in New Mexico and then you're going to the high country of Colorado and then you're going to, you know, hunt Florida for whitetails or Texas, whatever. I mean, you might be going through a set of strings a year just you know, gotcha. Do, do you, uh, I, I hear people and I, I've kind of bought into this and I don't, I don't know that it's true or not, but like, you know, telltale signs that your string is, you know, maybe needs replaced. I hear a lot of people talk about, Oh, they're, you know, they're fuzzing out. They're too fuzzy. You know, at that point it's time to replace. I've seen some guys, some really top level shooters that are shooting strings that are just absolutely, just completely yeah. frayed to death. I mean, just fuzzy. You know what I mean? Those guys are still shooting, you know, 12s and, oh, yeah. and 14s, like no issues whatsoever. Um, you know, serving separations. Another thing I see on people's bow, especially where those cam stops come over and, and they hit the cable and you'll start to see some serving separation, but like, are there telltale signs for you that you're like, yes, yeah, I really think, you know, if, if you're like at the tournament level and you, well, and to preface it, most people don't really know when a set of strings starts to move. Like, I don't think there's many mm -hmm. people qualified enough to, you know, go, okay, we're getting some movement. Now back, you know, with Hoyt hybrid cam bows, you can tell mm -hmm. when that cam would move a little bit, right? I mean, if you're like top cams, a little, gotcha. a little loose on you, you can feel that sponginess or you can feel the bow trying to get up, get away from you at full draw, right? So that's, I mean, mm -hmm. something like if that all of a sudden shows up, you know, 18 months into a set of strings that you purchased, right? 18 months later, you're starting to notice, hey, I need to, you know, I need to, you know, add a twist to my bus cable. And it's starting to happen more frequently. Mm -hmm. Clearly, the Vectran has started breaking down inside the 452X. And you have mm -hmm. very little stability left in that set of bow strings, or at least on that bus cable, if you have to keep tweaking like that, right? So that's yeah. kind of where I'm at with so it, I, right? I mean, fuzz is fuzz. You know, if you actually use the product, it's going to fuzz. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, they, they, they fuzz. And definitely, it seems to me, like you mentioned, antelope hunting. Antelope hunting is just hell on a set of bowstrings. If, if you're, you're crawling, and I don't know, I'll ask you this, maybe you know, but I would assume that the, you know, the, the environment, the humidity probably has some sort of impact on, yep. on a string. Seems like for, for me, real dry, hot, arid areas, especially when I'm doing a lot of belly crawling, like on an antelope hunt, it seems like it really fuzzes my strings out, which, again, I don't know that necessarily fuzz is an indicator that your strings need to be replaced per se. I typically, I'm kind of with you, I typically only, you know, really get crazy about changing my strings if I start to see movement in my bow. So, like, if it feels like my cams are a little bit out of time and I'm having to put a twist in a cable or, you know, if I've got a cut strand or something like that at that point, I just don't want to jeopardize it and I'll replace them. Um, or I yeah. just want a different color. <laughs> if I just want to, just want to change, change it up. But, but I, I think that's interesting that you said that because I, I do think like, I think a lot of people probably replace them when the, the string is in reality. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really you know, honest with people too, you know, like, you know, people buy a new bow, right? From Matthews Prime, Hoyt, whatever, whoever it is, right? I mean, mm -hmm. man, look at the look at the OEM strings that are coming out of these factories now. They are. Could you imagine ten years ago, like 
seriously. I mean, what, yeah. you know, when I, I just had a prime in here last night, that was just brand new out of the box and the strings were so good on it. I've seen the Hoyts come in that the, the brand new OEMs and I, I test the crap out of these when they come through, like I'll pull them off the bow, take the bow mm-hmm. apart. I'll put them on the jigs, you know, crank them up to 300 pounds and just leave them for an hour. Right. If, if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen in the first yeah. five minutes and I'll come back and just be absolutely blown away with some of the quality in these things. And I'm like, and people yeah. say, well, you know, let's restring it. It's like, are you know, are you sure you can, and I'll talk people out of it if they're really good. And the, you know, the peep solid, the D loop solid on it. The cables are holding good. It's get you, you paid for that, but you paid 1300 bucks for that bow. You might as well get, you know, this yeah. fall out of them. Yeah. You, you bring up a couple points. One, I would say that, the, and this is just me. The first thing that I typically do when I get a new bow is order a new set of strings for it. And one, one reason is, is because I like to have a Absolutely. backup set. So, so I like to take the new set from a builder like yourself, a custom set of strings that I know is going to be, you know, top level, uh, in terms of, uh, function materials and then just tolerances, right? I know that those things are going to fit. They're going to be tight. Everything's going to work like it should. And then I like to take the original set that was on the bow, just keep it as a backup. It's insurance. It's not. Yeah, it's insurance, and it's not totally uncommon for somebody to run a broadhead oh, across a string or twig. I've seen plenty of guys that have, you know, rolled a twig up in a cam trying to draw their bow and derailing the thing and, and you know, splitting a, a strand or something. So that's typically one of the reasons that I buy a new set of bow strings on a brand-new bow right out the gate. Um, man, you brought up something else that was, that was kind of interesting to me is uh, just – Yeah, perfect. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. I was going to ask you just, I'm curious about string maintenance mm-hmm. and, and you kind of noted on a little, a little bit, but like, what do you recommend for people in string maintenance? Because I see guys waxing their string after every time they shoot their bow. I see guys that say, Oh, I'm going to wax it every, once a week or once a month. But like, what's, what do you think about as far as so string I am not a wax guy. So like I prefaced it earlier, like when you are not, when you're in the retail market and you're buying string material, you are not going to get low wax string material. There's an upcharge through BCY, even in the dealer program. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. It's, there is, there is, I mean, even, <laughs> we yeah, can, no, we even can cut the, it. <laughs> and that's good to know. I mean, if you're going to get into this and you know, somebody wants to get into string building, uh, so be it, you know, once you get a business sure. license, this is normal information, but once you get, you know, into the string building market, there is other materials that are not available to the per se, um, you know, non-business market. Right. Because, I mean, and that's, that's the reality mm-hmm. of it. So, you know, I pay $5 a quarter pound more for, low wax string material and i'm sure the people at bcy hate me because i hold them extremely accountable for it you won't see a set of strings mm-hmm. come from me that is covered in wax i promise and it makes it very difficult mm-hmm. to work with but getting back to your original question no i do not wax strings um mineral oil and a q-tip i think you anybody that hears that from me is usually like stood back they're like wait so you don't wax them well no i mean the only thing wax is going to do is track dirt right it's like greasing mm-hmm. something automotive that doesn't need grease when you could lube it and it won't attract dirt to that part right like mm-hmm. yep. you know a sealed bearing like yeah it could be greased on the inside but it doesn't need any more maintenance after that right so bowstring i always tell everybody like put a little bit of mineral oil on a q-tip and just run it down the bowstring and you'll actually see that q-tip will be full of all the dust and crap that comes out of that bowstring now before i send strings out and i'm sure you've seen this too they're burnished right so that string fiber is we're running yeah. a piece of material down that string fiber before we ship it and what that's doing is really locking in the bundle right compressing the bundle down so basically you're yep. making it so no dirt can get inside of that 
And then, I mean, just cleaning it routinely, like obviously you're not going to bring a bottle of mineral oil with you in your backpack hunting, but you know, when you get, when you do mm-hmm. hit the truck, you know, why not have just a little, a little one ounce, little plastic bottle yeah. of mineral oil, put it on a Q-tip, you make one pass over all your fibers, just clean them out. You get no chafing. Um, it doesn't attract dirt, any of that stuff. And it just lubricates yep. the fibers, right? So like when you shoot a, when you shoot a, mm-hmm. you should take a shot with a bowstring, it's an explosion. You've seen it in slow motion, right? I mean, so when that's happening, you're getting mm-hmm. fibers going like that on each other. So you're getting a chafing effect. Yeah. Any lubrication there is going to cut down on fuzzing. And that's kind of like my little secret on people are always like, do you even shoot your bow? I mean, well, I need my bow looking good when I go to 3D shoots for advertisement purposes. <laughs> but there's no wax mm-hmm. in the strings. They're all just mineral oil clean. You know, just a, a little bit of detail. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. I've used, uh, I don't know if you, you probably have, I assume as long as you've been doing it, but just like yeah. the Dr. Doug's, it, it's, it's, it comes in a kit and I assume it's got a cleaner like scorpion conditioner, right? scorpion venom, same thing, but I'm quite certain that the, the formula there, it, I mean, it's the same as I would assume it's probably just mineral oil or something very close to it. Cause that's what it feels the like. The archery industry is definitely mineral and, oil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a bottle, right? <laughs> Yeah, and that's and that's what I've done. I've just uh, typically cleaned that with um, you know a soft cloth, like a almost like a fiber. Yeah, never cloth the leather that you pad. Your sunglasses never, with. Don't use that. Never, yeah. never the leather pad. Yeah, never, never the leather pad. And I, I do the same thing. I just clean it. Uh, I have used the the lubricant or whatever it is. It's like a conditioner, um, just to coat the outside of the strings, and then I wipe off any excess. Uh, but, but I, I, I did want to ask you, because like I said, I, I see people waxing their strings and a lot of the time I'm not seeing them, them cleaning it. So like you might have a string that you've had on your bow, you've taken on a hunt, you get home, the string's dirty, you can see the dirt in it. And then essentially guys are just taking a thing of wax, they're rubbing it in the string. And at that point you're just rubbing dirt and grime into the fiber, which is just causing more yeah, wear and double negative, strands, yeah, right? For sure. Don't do that. Don't do it. Do- double yeah, negative. Do yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good yeah. tip. I appreciate yeah, I, that. I hate so, that. Cause like any, any of my you listeners see the, the, like, obviously I see a lot of bows come through it, you know, with my stuff on it. It's always that guy that just puts wax on everything. Right. And it, there's, mm-hmm. and there's guys that do it right. When they cut a strand or something, they take the silicone wax and they like, just put it on there to like, keep that at bay. Cool. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. you, well, guess what? You could have taken dental floss and done that too. And just done a bunch of half inches yep. and like secured that strand above the peep or whatever, you know, just something simple. But yeah. Yeah. Does, uh, let me ask you. So does a lot of string in your, or a lot of wax in your string, does it decrease the stability of it? Does it increase the weight? Does it have any, any sort it, of, Oh, it's definitely heavy. in your opinion. Like I would, I would love to just build yeah. you like a high wax, just 60 inch string and then send you a low wax just so you can like scale them out and actually have a visual on it. I would almost bet like mm-hmm. a nor- like if you were to normal- order normal wax string fiber, not burnish it. And I just like straight up built it, served it in the same locations and built a replica image of that with a, you know, low wax 452 X string and sent them both to you in a package and had you put them on a scale. I think you'd laugh. I bet it would be double the weight. That's so, that's I mean, it. yeah, there's definitely going to be some speed losses in that to some level. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So I would assume if with a new string, low wax, um, you, you take care of it, you're going to get better feet per second. Out yeah. And I mean, it's minimum. probably still going to be only, you know, yeah. two to three feet a second. It's, it's, it's nominal, right? Sure. So the guy that builds with the waxy stuff, mm-hmm. it'd be easy to like say, Oh, build the cables and he's short, right. Or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's, it's still nominal at that point. You have no difference in one set built to exact spec. And then one with the cables tweaked a little bit, you're going to see the same speeds, but you know, that waxy set of strings, like the first question you asked is, is there going to be any different mm-hmm. 
inheritation and creep or any sort of stretch, right? Because I'll, I'll wait till you really ask the question and then I'll jump into the really nerdy part of like waxy versus low wax. And then there's more. Yeah. Do you, do you want to dive into that then? Just talk about I think it's time. Is that I think kind it's of time. Just, uh, yeah. Like okay. I have to get that part done and over <laughs> okay. with. So. <laughs> let's do it. Let's dive into let's okay. dive into materials. I think pr- probably the most common material used right now in bowstrings is a BCY four fifty two X. I think that's kind of been, in my opinion, it seems at least kind of the industry, you know, quote unquote standard. I think that's what most people are probably either using, probably unknowingly. That's probably yeah. what's on. Yeah, the it's, go, it's, right? it's pretty close to one hundred percent on the OEMs too. Right. What? Why? Why is that? What is it about a 452X? Why SBC? Why kind of on that market? So, in my opinion, that was the first. Well, I'm not going to completely say this is the first blended material ever made because I, I think there was definitely some before this. But so there actually there definitely was some other blended stream material I think before 452X. Um, But the denier of Dyneema they're using, so it's an SK75 denier Dyneema that they're running with this with 33% Vectran. So I think 33.3% and uh, 66.6 uh, Dyneema. Now with that particular grade of vect- uh, grade of Dyneema, they're able to keep the diameters correct for modern compound bows, right? Which is, you know, 95,000 to 110,000 on cam ends particularly. That's kind of like the biggest, gotcha. the smallest spectrum on a cam end. Be- and that's per, per Overall strand finish or you're talking like diameter so oh, okay, gotcha. I'm just going to kind of backdate even a little bit before this. Um, so Bob Destin and Ray Brown at BCY Fibers, they are the owners at BCY. They are fantastic individuals. These guys are the patent owners of fast flight string material, e.g. 452X. Okay. So gotcha. when it comes to string building, building these are people you need to listen to because they are the design engineers of the product right so there's many products out there Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna have i I have to push 452x because of how good it is so when you get into a blended product and the owners are telling you this is the most suitable material for you know modern compound bows and you know little little cam timing maintenance you know zero creep it's advertised as a zero Mm -hmm. creep material what do what do you what do you mean? I mean, sure. I know I know I'm just I'm leading the witness and asking this question, but creep is pretty commonly thrown in when people talk about bowstrings. But what are people talking about? So there's this common word that's called stretch, and that it, that's the first yeah. thing I wanted to get into. So when you talk about string material stretching, when it comes to 452x, 454, 450 plus, um, even Vec 99 from Bloodline, when you have a Dyneema Vectrian blended product. That material is incapable of stretching. So creep is unrecoverable elongation. That is the definition in the Webster Dictionary for it. So creep is unrecoverable elongation. So a bowstring will have a very short window of stretch, right? Very short, where like, okay, let's Mm -hmm. say it's 60 inches. You add it to 100 pounds, it it might stretch like a 30 second. That it will never recover from, but when you when you're talking bowstring building, you're looking at way higher tensions than that. Right. So that string material, mm-hmm. people, you know, people think, okay, Hey, well you put it on a bow. Well, you, you could shoot an 80 or hundred pound bow, but when you're serving them at 600 pounds, that bow is never going to show anything like that. Right. And I've already gone right. down a sidetracked rabbit hole from the original question. So, you know, 
Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll get uh, <laughs> so with 452X being the industry standard, it's used to keep these bows in, in time, essentially, right? And it fits all the bills the OEMs yeah. need for diameters. Um, it is also a very highly readable Dyneema, um, which comes from the Netherlands. Originally, I think all of the Dyneema might come from the Netherlands, particularly, um, huh. even for like the backpack market and everything. Um, I think it's the Netherlands. Okay. So... Oh, I was just going to ask you. So, I mean, 452X, I know that they have other other fibers mm -hmm. within that lineup. Um, they advertise as some being unblended. Uh, yeah, unblended, or you've got other. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but you've the, basically when you when you go down BCY's website, they can kind of tell you the pros yeah. And cons so, like of the mercury fibers, material, right? um, mercury, mercury yeah. two, those are a complete. Um, uh, let's see, those are both SK99 denier. Um, Dyneema fibers, which are going to be the smallest in diameter fibers. So you're looking at a very small, mm -hmm. very strong 100-pound brake strength fiber, uh, just a very rigid fiber, but there's no Vectran in those fibers. So Vectran is gotcha. absolutely 100% impervious to any type of stretch. So you can take a, one single strand of Vectran, crank it up to like 500 pounds, take the tension off of it, it'll be the exact same length as when you cranked up to 500. It cannot creep. So creep being unrecoverable gotcha. elongation. Vectran cannot creep. Mm -hmm. Dyneema can creep, even in the highest grade form, solo, by itself. It will creep. And if anybody tells you differently, <laughs> it will creep, I promise. Right? There's right. nothing in it to make it stable. Now, you're adding more strands, yeah. typically. And it's, I mean, you probably shot some, mm -hmm. some of the Brownell Fury back in the day and stuff. And it was a fantastic product. Um, and it's... Yep, I've shot it. The other one I'm thinking of is what X99. Yeah, so that is so we'll get into that, that one next. So now we're talking just complete unblended stuff like Brownell Fury, Brownell Rhino, um, yep, uh, BCY Mercury, Mercury Two. Like I said, these are great products, um, and they're highly recommended for crossbows. And I still think it's a better bet for like some of the older, you know, Bowtech insanities and stuff that just has, you know, uh, less than desirable quality limbs on it. Right? Those these other non-Vectran products are mm -hmm. going to be a little bit more gentle on the bow they're going to be softer on the shot because there is give to it there you have a rubber banding gotcha. effect when you have no vectran now some things you gotcha. yeah, go ahead. so that's why that's why the 452x is is kind of the industry standard yeah, exactly. for bow hunting right but because you've you're you're blended you get kind of the best yeah of both so worlds, in the dyneema even on right? that so like when you're building with it yeah the dyneema is actually what is elongating a little bit and we'll dive into the next mm -hmm. part on a different question of yours, but we'll, we'll hop right back into like the X99. So that's like, you know, the original BCYX was like a 17% blend Vectran. So you've got a little percentage of Vectran in there and that's still better than no Vectran in my mind. Right. So mm -hmm. I need a little something that has no give to do it because I don't want any creeping at all. Um, yeah. you know, when I need it to work, I, it, there can't be any creep, but that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You set up a bow, you, you tune it, you want that thing to, remain i mean there's nothing worse than chasing your tail on a bow that constantly seems to be out of time yeah nobody wants to work on a bow over and over and over no i mean i i do but i don't <laughs> i don't i just want the thing to shoot you know i want to tune it i want to you know go out and shoot with it i want to return and maybe shoot it through paper you know a few weeks before i go i go hunting i want my broadheads to hit where i'm where i'm aiming so i yeah for most bow hunters i assume they just want sure to yeah to i mean it, right simple simple is better in archery right i mean you always want to have to work less shooting yeah. you know 
So, and then, yeah. you know, now we have like X99, like you said, right? So that's another, that's just so mm-hmm. the original BCYX was phased out when SK90, we lost SK90, I think in 2019. And that's when they had to bring in SK99. It was just not producing the Netherlands anymore. So that just basically brought that's in right. a new smaller SK99 fiber. Now they, ha- they actually added a little bit more Vectran to that product. Like they went to like a 20% ratio in it. And I... The problem is, is the SK99 Dyneema, in my opinion, I love the original BCY Mercury. It's like, it's a great product to use. It looks great. The colors are good, right? You, like with pure Dyneema products, you get the best coloring, you know, because there's no Vectran. So Vectran mm-hmm. doesn't take color either. It's like a yellowish, yeah. funky fiber. And if you've seen like BCY Natural on like Pro Shooter Bows, it has a funky yeah. gold look to it. And that's the Vectran mm-hmm. in it. So it just... Like Vectran does not like to take dye in any way, shape, or form, and especially BCY's colors. Those are all watercolors, which is gotcha. unique because that's not what Bloodline's using in Brownell use solvent-based colors. So they were able to get better hmm. coloring where BCY uses more of an earth-friendly water-type color. You know, I don't want to put a, you know, I was a big fan of Brownell products way back in the day when I first started. You know, I don't really want solvent-based products rubbing the side of my face either. And like yeah. Brownell never sent us SDSs on their material bcy mm-hmm. i get an sds on every new material they get so and th- gotcha. to me that's important my customers ask like what is this i bcy tells me exactly what it is they send me an sds and i can give that yeah. to my customer if they have an allergy or something right and it sounds like it doesn't matter yeah. really it really does like having an honest relationship it would matter is, it would yeah it, it would matter to yeah, the people i mean even too. to me it's like hey if a company <laughs> yeah. is willing to tell me everything about their process cool like that's the people I want to work yeah. with. Yeah. So 452X, I think that's kind of been, like I said, the industry standard for a while. It's I've I've used it, you know, for I don't know, I'm at least to remember. 10 years. it's been a while. And and that, yeah, at least ten years. And every once in a while I'll try something different. The one that I see coming on more recently yeah. is Bloodline. Um, I see a lot more advertisement, I see a lot more social media. It seems like they have leaked into the bow hunting market quite a bit more and especially like within the last two years. What's uh what's different than a, with a bloodline versus a BCY four fifty two X and why is somebody, you know, considering that where maybe they weren't? Yeah, before? so I think uh there's some really good marketing going on there for sure. Um and I think okay. you know, so they are running, you know, and I've I I know the people of Bloodline very well. Um they are running a SK ninety nine Dyneema fiber with Vectran, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they have got a phenomenal coloring process that I think it really boils down to the coating. So if you were to go and, t- you know, type in bloodline fibers, right, you're going to get the bowstring company. But if you were to dig a little deeper on the company, they're a bootlace manufacturer. Okay. Hmm. They are also a like NASA grade um, coating type manufacturer. So I always think like Clark Griswold in the original, like Christmas vacation, when he goes sledding down the hill. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what reminds me of their yep. bowstring fiber. Like it is so yeah. slick to work with. Um, I've done a lot of original prototype testing for them way back in the day when I first started. Um, and it's always been like this really slick coated fiber. And uh, I think the marketing draw to it clearly is it doesn't fuzz. Okay. So that to me, it's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so yeah, you're going to get more life out of the bowstring, but that's like, that goes back to what we were talking about. This fuzz really matter. I, I think they also advertise it as being. They do, and I can definitely see that for sure. Um, now that yeah. bundle, it's it's almost really hard to describe until you actually build with it, and I'll get a ton of hay for even you know. 
saying it, but when you build mm-hmm. with this stuff, it, it does not act like normal BCY, you know, 452X being the industry standard, you know, you're comparing everything else to it from every other vendor. The, the, yep. the build process with that stuff is nothing like 452X. Like, I don't know if I could build you a shooting yeah. string that wouldn't have people rotation in it because of how the finished product acts. So like 452X, yeah. I have so much experience with it. It reacts a certain mm-hmm. way after I take it off the machine and serve it tighter in hell. I can do the same thing with Bloodline, run yeah. my normal post-serving process and you know, lengthening the string a little bit, so to say, and uh, getting a very stable bundle mm-hmm. out of that string. Now, you know, of course, you and I talked about this, you know, last week through text and stuff and, you know, sending photos mm-hmm. of what I built with one. And, I, you know, I don't know if that thing had a rotation in it or not. I couldn't tell. I did the same process with 452X, I would. And I literally was like, I don't know yeah. if I could send this to somebody. Because it's slicker than hell, man. It's yeah. slick and archery does not mix, in my opinion. And there is people out there that yeah. tell me they're having I've- fantastic results with it. Well, Go look at the world archery stage. Go look, go sit in Vegas and watch the people that are in the finals and the shootouts and watch the people that are going to hunt polar bears up north and the people mm-hmm. with Tiburon Island tags. You tell me what string material they're going to run. They're going to run 452X. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I hear you. I've had a set. Um, I had a, a builder build me of Bloodline. And just like you're saying, pretty much everything I would, I would, uh, just basically say everything that you just said. Super, super slick. I can't even get it to um, stay on my post when I lay it up and like go to serve my loops. Yeah. I do my end loops at like 300 pounds. So I've got a tensioning unit on my post. Yeah. When I start to tension it up, it just rides straight up my post and blows it right off the top. So I can't even get to the point yeah. of getting the end loops done. Yeah. Yeah. It was super slick. I will say the string that I had that I put on this bow, uh, as far as longevity goes, I felt like I, I did get pretty good longevity out of it. It didn't fuzz like your It did fuzz over time, but I, that's after a lot, a lot of arrows. Um, stability, it, it felt quite stable. Uh, peep rotation, I did have slight peep rotation in it, uh, which is, we'll, we'll dive into that. Sure. That's one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to a bowstring, and we can talk about why it is that a peep turns. And, man, there's nothing worse than that. And, yeah. Any, anyway, but yeah, I mean, it, it was decent, but I, I was just curious as to your thoughts of why, you know, one, somebody might choose one over the other, but in your opinion, it sounds like BCY 452 X. Yeah. I mean, the, and the cost of like, if you were to get on right now, look at, look at the cost yeah, of expensive. that through bloodline. And like I said, mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to, you know, harp on the company and I have a lot of friends that, you know, have good luck with it, yeah. um, with their customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bleed through when you serve it with black serving is just absolutely horrifying you know I've, I've gave feedback to the company and you know hey you're serving too tight no I'm not um you know it's yeah. it, it, it you know and i i keep i tell them at bloodline all the time get rid of your coating entirely and just like the quality of their fiber as it is like just the colors the way they dye it the the quality of the fiber the twist ratio they use in the fiber because like bcy uses a one uh don't quote me but it's like four uh um it's like one twist for every four inches of string material in raw form hmm. and bloodline uses less than that, which I love. So there's like a lot, like I love 50, mm-hmm. 50 bloodline BCY, but if bloodline literally just ditched their entire coating, I might go, I, I don't know. I already told the ownership there. If you guys just got rid of all the coating and like made something competitive mm-hmm. with BCY and took that exact product, you have no coating and just like run it in a low wax form and just like, 
eat the eat the eat the glory or whatever you want to call it of that particular coating like I, I'll, i'm going all in on a pound of every color you got today and that's a yeah. huge market share you could yeah, get inter- inter- interesting yeah yeah, I will say the string that I got, it was it was sexy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it looked good, it felt good. Um, it gave me the warm and fuzzies and and I I had pretty good I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to say the thing that you just said. I had decent luck. I had yeah. pretty good luck with it. Uh o- over time, it's the only set of strings I've ever had of it, so I wanted to try it and just see what it did, but um yeah, they it's, made it's a, a lot shame. of improvements it was, it was since they different. started. Like they reached out to me on Instagram. I think they mm-hmm. had like 8 followers back in like 2016. Like yeah. literally 8 followers and like yeah, they've made a lot of a lot of noise in the last. They definitely two have, years. right? But you know, we've also made a huge, a lot of noise in the archery industry as a whole with the you know COVID and like bringing in the new yeah. hunting people, and with new hunters yeah. comes like gimmicks and um, you know other mark, marketing. Yeah, marketing, you know. Um, and hey, we're all you know we're all reaping the benefits of that right now too, which is you know amazing at the same sure. time. But I also feel education is so critical on you know why yeah. and how you know, and that's why we're doing this. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Um, I wanted to ask you just some more common questions that people ask about string builders. I think one of the other common things that people ask is, um, you know, is it pre-stretched? Um, what, what are, what are people asking? I see bowstring manufacturers, uh, advertise, you know, pre-stretched at a hundred pounds or, you know, 200, whatever it is. But, uh, I mean, what is pre-stretching and what does that involve? And is it important? Is it critical for you and, and how much and how long? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's like you hear a me? little cut now. Now it's perfect. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Did you hear the question? Yeah. So pre-stretch is okay. kind of one of those yeah. like generic terms, right? So it's like, hey, a boot yeah. doesn't water a waterproof boot doesn't leak. Okay, well. So pre-stretched is you there's a million ways you can look at it, but pre-stretched means basically stretched before served. And there's a million ways you could say okay. I pre-stretch for an hour or I pre-stretch for four and a half seconds. Right. So it's just mm-hmm. a generic term people use to, to grab the customer and suck them in. Okay. And then obviously the longer, the better, right. Cause bigger, faster, stronger, better is always like, it's the horsepower, um, you know, with men in cars, the, right. The so American way. the longer you stretch, the better yeah. the product. And that is not the case. And I'll jump right into why and the data to prove it. So, like I said in the very beginning of this, call, when you get when you're new into building bowstrings, the best thing you can do if you are just lost or you have no technical knowledge, or maybe you just want to like me. Before I even start, I want to learn from the engineer that designed the product and has the patent on it. And you call these guys at BCY mm-hmm. and you ask them, "Hey, I'm interested in building the BCY 452X and low wax. Um, what is a good amount of time to stretch the string material?" And they say none do not stretch the string hmm. material. Well, what does that mean in general? They go, okay, well, here's the brain strength of the entire bundle of 24 strands. Um, it has Vectran, which Vectran breaks down under high poundage. So they'll literally tell you like, do not stretch the material, twist it and serve it. Now I think that hmm. that's redundant as well too, because there has to be that little bit of, right? So when I said creep and elongation earlier, you are going to get a little bit of creep no matter what, the minute you put it under any tension, that's just because you have Dyneema being 60% of the bundle, right? So you have got to, in my opinion, just crank it up to a high tension. Now that's my secret number that I'm not willing to share, but 
you, but yeah. right. So that number for some people might be 250 pounds. Um, for some people, it might be 400. It might be 450. It might be 900, right? Based on whatever hmm. you think works for you. But the amount of time you leave it there is why strings fuzz prematurely. And then ah. if you look at it this way too, so I'll just be really open and honest about this. If you order strings for me, you're not getting a stretch string. And there's a reason for it. So the longer you stretch a string under high tension, and I do go above the industry standard and in how high of tension I raise it to when I serve it. Now, if it's at mm -hmm. that tension for too long, um, now I'm sitting here in front of my high-speed string machine behind me, but if it's at too high of a tension for too long, you are over-elongating the Dyneema past the Vectran because the Vectran cannot creep. The Vectran Not absolutely true, yeah. can be 66% of that string bundle that can overcreep past the Vectran point. And if you want a peep rotation set of strings, I can get it to you and it's going to be an overstretched set of strings. And I think that's a common misconception is, you know, but that's like, that goes back to the confidence, the amount of weight you're putting on it. And you know, where, where are you starting it? Are you serving your end, end loops under tension? Are you twisting under tension? And then leaving it at a quote unquote, so-called like pneumatic tension to actually stretch it but it doesn't stretch. It creeps. So there's like, right. There's some gray areas there. And I feel like that is research you have to do on your own to truly understand the product. You know what I mean? Like I'll probably have yeah. a million people text me after this and be like, dude, that's ridiculous. And it's, well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, well, I'm, I mean, they can, and I guess, you know, people can say what they want. They can think what they want. You know, if you're a string builder and you, you've you got to be day you day out. and I get like messages on Facebook and Instagram from new string builders all the time. And they're like, how do you have it so nailed down? And I'm like, okay, I can build, I can come out here at any time and build with the same amount of twists, the same. I don't even have to really measure. Now, granted, you should be measuring it. There's some people that don't, they're that reliant on the process. Like I measure it every step of the way, right. Um, to, to right in the bag, it's mm -hmm. dead on for advertising. I really don't even have to do that though. I have it so nailed down to where I can build within a 30 second without an adjustment, you know, on a, on a 98 inch solo cam string. I'm that confident, mm -hmm. but you have to earn that confidence, right. And understand what you're working with. Yeah. The, the secrets in the sauce, it sounds like, you know, so I think again, it just goes back to, you know, yeah. buying a quality set of strings, finding a, a build. But if I come out here and I build a, you know, yeah. And if I come out here and build a 24 strand set of strings right now, and I build, you know, a, a, let's say a, a common string, right? The Matthews like phase 433 is probably is the hottest ball in the market, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or yeah. the V3X33. It's just, that's 50% of my string orders right there, that bow. Now that's a 64 and a half or five ace, whatever, depending on what spec sheet you use, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, string on it. Now, if I built, if I built you a string that was stretched for no period of time, but served at a high load and sent it to you. But I sent you another bag with one other string and said, Hey, put this string on. It was stretched for 10 hours overnight. I think you would laugh at the 10 hour stretch string on how it looks and how it functions. Because theoretically that dynamic, if you call the people that are the patent owners on it, they will tell you you've ruined mm -hmm. that string. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's so, it's so commonly thrown around. I mean, pretty much. I, I just think it's like a, ever, it's, it's just a play on words is really what it is. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Make, makes people feel good. I think that, you know, their string has been pretty earns, stretched to the point where it's not going to stretch, stretch anymore. 
I'm, I'm yeah, learning right it, now like, as we talk. So yeah. And I think what it does is it lures you into the website. Like do you ever notice when you get on the website, it's like blown up, like, or like you see it on a business card mm-hmm. or you see it like in an ad, somebody posts on social media, it's like, boom, pre-stretch hits you. That's the first thing you see. And as a consumer, yep. you're caught by it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, to yeah, some I mean, degree, you, right? You don't want your string to... Sh- yeah. yeah, I mean, I, if you're a bow hunter, you want you want your string stable. You don't want it to stretch. So if it's pre-stretched, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Now everything's pre-stretched, but nobody's willing to admit sure. to what it is. So, so some, yeah. I mean, there's no that's, way you couldn't unless you didn't have a machine and you served it by hand at 100 pounds. Then that would not be pre-stretched. But like, I, I just don't get yeah. like people will be like, "Oh, do you pre-stretch your strings?" And that's where I'm like, "Oh gosh." <laughs> <laughs> You probably saw that question. It was like, oh, no, I no, I can't wait. One. Cause like, I hope everybody <laughs> sees this and like just listens and is like, I really hope I trust this guy, but like, just know yeah. anybody order through some probably serving their strings at over 300 pounds. I hope so. Yeah. Something you, uh, you mentioned a strand count and I think that's probably another issue is what, what do you recommend for strand count for cables? So I'm like a, a tr- what do you like get I'm a, very, yeah, so I'm a, like true and through 24 strands of 452 X. Like, I'm extremely diehard about that. Right. But there has to be exceptions, right? Because not all string fibers made the same. We're battling as even in the dealer world, we're battling, um, you know, uh, demand issues right now. Right. So, you know, I'm not saying these companies are going out and outsourcing fibers, but I'm 99.9999% sure they all are trying to get what they can because there's Hmm. logistic issues worldwide. And I feel like, a lot of the stream material that's available right now is not what it was in 2018, 2019, 2020. Like from BCY back then, hmm. you could put in a you know, $5,000 material order in and you can get it. And I am so OCD when I get, you know, if I get order, you know, five grand worth of 452X and I've got, you know, a box with 70 spools in it, I'm pulling out each individual spool. Even if it's 10, 10 spools of the same color, I'm popping out every spool, taking the plastic off it. And I'm running my micrometers on every fiber diameter and 452x should always be between 0.0095 and 0.012 inches on the highest end of the spectrum so 0.012 strand fiber and 24 strands will give you like 104 thousandths of an inch served with halo that's a great number to hit i can put that on any freaking bow out there at 24 strands now when i'm getting like flow orange right now that measures 0.014 or point like you know, our black measures 0.014. Well, black used to be the smallest color. Well, now 24 strands, mm-hmm. and that's 107 thousandths of an inch. That only works on PSE and maybe a Matthew shooting string cam track. That's not going to work on the new Hoyts. That's not going to work on the elites. That's not going to work on the any of the diamond bows or the bear bows or you know any of that. So you have got to have flexibility in this, right? So like the yeah. last set of strings I sent you, you know, a couple of days ago, those floor and strings, those were a 22 strand set of strings. Yep. But it's been well adapted. Gotcha. Do I want to do that on a Matthews bow? Absolutely not. But you have yeah. got to be adaptive to it based on the materials you have. Because I just had one of those bows in here two days before I built those for you. And installed a 24 mm-hmm. strand set that was not a, a flow colored bulky set on that bow in my shop. And it barely fit in the cam tracks at like 104 thousandths. And the set that I sent you, I think measures right at like one on one. So I know it's going to be absolutely perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes good sense. Um, are you putting the same number of uh, strand counts and cables as you are on a string? Um, 
basically trying to mirror them a little bit. I'm a, I'm a big stickler on diameter. You'll probably never hear anybody talk about diameters like me. I always feel like yeah. if you have a string that has a, uh, right, a string track that calls for like 102 at the max end, right? You need to be at 102 or less. You never, you never want to exceed that, okay? And I also feel yeah. like even if the cable track's a little bit bigger, you, you kind of have to keep that, you have to kind of keep that common ground there. And that's also another thing that's mm-hmm. just not always feasible. Like some of the bare bows, it's impossible to hit the number on the string that you can on the cables. Like I can do 103,000 on a, uh, like the new bare bows on the cables. The string needs to be a hundred or less. Mm-hmm. That's impossible to do with 24. You know what I mean? So it's, it's getting it's harder, you know? Yeah. And when I started doing this, it was, it was a really open game. The materials were good. Um, you know, everything was good. The cams were wired, right? So you could, you know, Matthew's like Halon 32. Dude, I could build you like 110,000 inch mm-hmm. cables and you never have an issue with them. You can't do that on your yeah. phase four. It just yeah, doesn't I, work. Like I need to be 101,000. So, yeah, they're, yeah, they're a lot narrower. Yep. Yeah. So that's interesting. You've got to adjust the number of strands depending on the, the bow, the width of the, the cam track. And then, yeah, just the color yeah, I mean, of the order, I guess, right? But yeah, like there's the nothing diameter. more than I would have rather built you on that last set than be like a solid Kiwi green where I could have been like, bang, 24 strands, 100,000, 101. But at the same time, I have no problems with 22 strands because, well, I grew up like building strings an hour from the Bowtech factory back in the insanity days. So I'm like very particular, mm-hmm. like I'm very aware of 22 strand split bus cables and yep. like in the flow colors because everybody wants the flow colors, right? So like I adapted to that yeah. very early on and it's not any difference in the process. Like the only difference is in when you run 22 strands is you're going to have to put more twists in the string. Okay, we'll set up differently for it like slightly different. So you keep the same twist. Gotcha. Rate. In terms of stability, you hear the word stability thrown around quite a bit when you talk about a bowstring and I assume they're talking that, you know, it's not going to move or you're not going to have to add twist or anything like that. Or, you know, maybe on the shot, it's a more stable shot is a, is a, a higher strand count, a more quote unquote stable string. In your opinion, do you get any difference in your level of accuracy between a 22 and a 24? I don't really think so. When you're talking like 22 and 24, I mean, man, I've, I've done so much 22 strand stuff and like it for, like for particular bows where you have to hit those numbers, it just feels better in the mm-hmm. bow. Like it feels better. Like the shot feels better. The bow tunes better. Like it, it's required. Right. But then you get into gotcha. like some of these like Matthews TRXs, right? You can like 28 strands of natural. And those are like the Hoyt Invicta, uh, like the Invicta 37s or 40s. You could run 32 strands of natural in those, you know, on the bus cable control and string. And mm-hmm. is it going to be more stable? Oh, for sure. But it's also going to change the feel of the bow. Like it's going to be, it's going to, there's going to be a lot more shock in the bow too. Because you've got like mm-hmm. no give. So it really changes yeah. a lot of the a dynamics of the bow too. And like diameters change a lot. So the thicker the cables get, the more holding weight you get, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good t- it's a good tip, man, to reach out to you because it's something that wasn't really even necessarily on my radar is when you pick out a color for your bowstring, it's probably worth a phone call to somebody like yourself to kind of pick your brain on what color can I get where I'm still going to get the most out of my Yeah, for sure. Like if I'm going to hit my diameters and I'm also going to have a Yeah, like we we talked about this even when you ordered, um, you know, something, you know, the first time too, you're like, you know, this is the color I want. I'm like, that's a great choice, man. Like that color is like, I told you, I think I was like, that's the best spool I have in my entire cabinet. And I wish like it would never look like it gets getting lower because that spool is that good. And like, I can hit that one-on-one on that 
with 24 strands on your Matthews. And then I get that means I can even run a little bit more on the yoke instead of running like, I think Matthews runs 16 or 18 strand yokes. I guess what I can run like 20 or 22 strands on that and give you like some crazy beefy yokes, right? Gotcha. So I, and that's something like, no, that's you know, good, man. you know, I call people I've never heard of or just, just random, you know, kid or whatever orders set of strings for his, you know, whatever bow it is. And he orders like flow green, flow yellow, flow orange pinstripes. And it's for like a, a bear arena or something. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll, I, I have no yeah. problem with like, there's, I would rather not build him that set of strings and him go somewhere else. And like, that string company can be his problem. Like I, 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 I like I'll always mm-hmm. call people and tell them like, that's not a good option. And man, the amount people are just like, thank you so much. People are so cool, yeah. man. Let's talk. Let's, uh, Let's talk about sure. string color and let's talk about two, two, two different color strings. Let's talk about like a solid color string. And then I know that pen striping is yeah. all the rage, uh, which is essentially three yeah. colors, right? It's not like a true three, three color. Cause they're not evenly dispersed. You just have a pen stripe that separates your two main colors. But in your opinion, does a solid color string cable set, is it more stable than a two color string? Nope. And is a pen stripe set different than, either one of those nope. in your opinion. Yeah. Same for me, like that's, that is something you'll hear from like the big manufacturers that don't want to build them. People say, mm-hmm. Oh, like it's less okay. stable because you've got these like whatever, four or six strands in the middle separating these two colors and they have no problem building two colors, but you're looking at a fiber mm-hmm. that has like an 80 pound brake strength on it. So when you have 24 of them, do the math on the brake strength of that twisted bundle. Like, what are those like six? It doesn't matter. I, I, I just, I've had people, I have somebody in world archery and I'm not going to say names. I have somebody in world archery that wins with pinstripe strings at, at the mm-hmm. world level. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, one of the best set of strings I had was it was a uh, buckskin, oh, uh, so orange with, 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 <laughs> with a black pinstripe. And, and Shane oh at Buckslayer gosh, built so those good. strings. And I remember, re- yeah, I remember reading the, you know, I, I, I'm sure we're probably referring yeah, to Yeah, I know the same, we are for sure. Probably the same, 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 yeah. same blog post. But in essence, it basically said, you know, this is a more, you know, this is not as stable a string as a single color set or, you know, even two. Uh, I will say in my experience, that set of strings I had was probably one of the best. Set of I strings laugh I because people are like, and why so don't you I, charge for your pinstripes? I'm like, I like them more than my own two colored strings. Like, yeah and they, they look, look cool, cool and i i mean they, they look i would be really honest and, and people call me and they ask me that question because like obviously that particular person that blogged that or whatever that like made that um mm-hmm. is biased about that right and it's also time is money and when we're talking time like to, for me to do a set of pin, i don't upcharge for it because it's like five minutes total longer maybe with an OCD mindset mm-hmm. to finish that set of strings with pins. There's no, I mean, that's not to me, yeah, sure. five, $5 is not worth charging somebody else to make them happy. Um, but I can see maybe yeah. at like a huge production level. Um, the only thing I have with pinstripe strings where I see problems with them in, in all like in total transparency is with like cable, cable guards, like cable slides. Um, yeah. So pinstripes, when they're twisted, they are intended to be laid down. So the pinstripe kind of sits slightly on top of it. You, you kind of know where I'm going with this, right? So like it sits, mm-hmm. you can yeah, almost you can feel it. it. Like it, it doesn't quite like lay as almost. flat into the bundle and that's, you know, and rightfully so that's the reason that's the design there. It's the pop, right? 
Now, with so, I, the only issues I've seen is with cable uh, slides. Like those are injection molded in most cases. Like Hoyt does a great job. Those are actually, I think, machined. So there's no seam in the middle mm-hmm. of like where the cable would run on it up and down on the bus and control cable. Now, some of the other companies um, out there, they do injection mold those. And there's like a stitch where the cable would ride on it. So, yep. of course, it's going to bug the hell out of the pinstripe, right? And that's the only time I typically yep. see those. And then I do not pinstripe like Matthew's yokes and stuff. It's just tedious and there's no, there's, there is no value to that for yeah. sure. So, yeah. That's that's good. I wanted to ask that because for I remember reading that it's been a number of years ago that I read that post and kind of you know went down through it and logically I'm like yeah I can see I can see what they're saying and that makes sense to me but then like I said I'd had this set with a pinstripe that were just phenomenal for me and I don't know I just wanted to ask so now I I feel pretty good about going back to yeah using I mean Matt the, the only thing that drives me nuts is like when Matthew's guys order pinstripe sets of strings there's just so much serving it's like really like clear serving yeah. looks good with those pinstripes and stuff but like that is the only set of like that and some of the bowtex with like the double split bus cables i try i tr- mm-hmm. like depending on who the person is right if it's a new customer i might try to talk them out of it like and there's reasons right and this is probably you know another overlooked thing so like look at a matthews uh you know a cable on a matthews bow right not the yokes but the main body cables right so they're like 95 percent served so you're not if you order with yep. black servings, you're not going to see any pins, right? But hardly anything. And then with those particular yep. type of cables, there's only one served end loop, and then you're feeding that served end loop through the open end. Now the problem I have with that is, is when you're doing a pinstripe set of strings, say like you know buckskin flow orange and black pins, you've got all of those different colors tag ended underneath your served end loop. So you have your served end loop. But the start and stop of all three of those colors are happening underneath that end loop. So what it does is it makes the end loop very big in diameter itself. Okay. It's not Mm -hmm. like those tag ends are going to slip through two and a half inches of end loop serving, but you're going to get a bulkier transition there. And you might see some string builders like double wrap around that area and it gets a little wonky and you're kind of just like, I don't understand it, but it still works good and functions good. And it doesn't matter if it's not like perfectly pretty there. But it just it yeah. adds a little bit of bulk. And if you look at like the new Matthews, uh, you know, the switch weight cam, there is like the end loop is very mm-hmm. particular on the size it needs to be. And it, Isn't I mean, that, that end loop <laughs> needs to be closed at seven eighths of an inch closed. And then you have like yep. a quarter inch gap before it gets right into the 90 degree turn. Now, if you have mm-hmm. a three colored string on the switch weight bows, and this was like a big learning uh, cam for like the string building community when it came out because the set like the high so if you go, you can get like 50 pound mods to 75 pound mods i think with the switch weight cams mm-hmm. so the higher you go up in poundage on that module the harder it makes it on cables man i mean the if you look at the radius yep. on how it tracks up the cable it just gets nastier and nastier and nastier so when you get to a three colored you know cable on that thing you've got a very bulky diameter transition coming off that you're ending up in a cam track that is extremely sensitive to because i mean you could take two different sets of 75 pound mods on these matthews bows put them on like that new set put it in the bow press put a new set new set of 75 pound mods on you're going to see a weight difference it's just a very precision yeah. machine part and they're not all identical to a t yeah. um so like when you start getting really funky in there with big diameters and big flow colors you will definitely see like poundage variations. You might see one coming at like 72 with 75 pound mods. That's really fat. Then you can go to like, you know, 
like a solid like buckskin set of springs that's a hundred thousands and it might be like 79 pounds and it's, it can yep. make that much of a difference off like ten thousandths of an inch in diameter so i always tell yeah. people like yeah I've, with these bows make the right choice I'll, I'll build them for you all day i don't care but how like yeah. if you want it to function as intended we need to hit matthew's diameters like the people at matthew's the engineers that design these are smarter than me or at least at their craft you know what I mean? Like yeah. if I was a bow cam designer, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd have numbers that I would want people to respect, you know? Yep. So. Yeah. That makes sense. Let, let's, uh, let's talk about string twist real quick. And I, 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 I was kind of working off this. Uh, I'm, I'm basically trying to either prove or debunk things that I hear. Um, uh, I've never dove deep enough down this rabbit hole to really fully flesh it out myself. But, um, I think it was Levi Morgan here a few years ago, basically said that he fletches his arrows with a helical or an offset to match, uh, the direction that his bowstring naturally wants to spin the arrow as it comes out. Um, in your opinion, you've, you've probably heard this. Oh yeah. There's, oh yeah. There's Tom Parkinson did about one of the most detailed videos on planet earth about, arrow rotation what affects it and it Mm -hmm. it's the center serving so and it it, but it all boils down to the direction of the string twist like that's all it is and am i am i a fan of so like my strings any so any bowstring any bowstring that is twisted clockwise which is going to be everybody out there minus a few so like abb for uh, instance they twist the opposite of 90% 90% of other bowstring manufacturers. And there's still a lot of good string makers that twist counterclockwise or anti-clockwise. Now, anything twisted clockwise, mm-hmm. which is right a right-hand string twist, mm-hmm. twist that will fling your arrow left because of how you have to serve the center serving. It's all directional, right? So if you twist clockwise, you serve clockwise. Now, that can be confusing to new yep. string builders because how you do the top cam and bottom cam serving, clockwise is looked at respectively. So it's not the same. But I can still serve clockwise from the bottom loop to the top loop, and the the jig still moves the same way. But if I serve towards the end loops, when I do the top cam serving the way I build my strings, I'm serving the top cam the opposite direction because it's all respective and and perspective. So it's it's just another one of those rabbit holes. Like when you're a new string builder and you're standing there serving your first string, you are just baffled because you literally can't figure it out. So it's like that, like you'll stand there for an hour, like driving yourself crazy. And you'll be on the phone with a hundred people, like trying to like debunk this. And they'll tell you how it needs to be done. And you still, it will never make sense in your brain until you like see it work. But I just challenge anybody, like if you get the chance to build and serve a string, like do it all right Mm -hmm. on three quarters of it and then serve one end knowingly the wrong direction and pop it off the tool or the machine or however you're doing it. And like, pick up the end loop off the thing. There'll be a million pounds acting like it's wanting to like unravel and then just bend the serving. The whole serving will crack apart. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah, that's, that's wild in your opinion then. So would you say that most the arrow left arrow left? Yeah. Do, do, do you buy into the, I figure the, why not? Uh, right. I mean, so like when you go to a bow yeah. shop, I'm, going to go ahead and wing it and say 90% of every archery shop out there, the biggest names, the the most popular names on the internet, the most high profile names of people that build strings for, or that work on celebrities bows, um, they all fletch with the right helical. Well, most of these companies, all the OEMs, even Matthews now, they all 
spin their strings left. Okay. Why would you want to fletch the opposite direction of how it spins? That's just me. It's been proven a million times mm-hmm. over. There's no point of impact change. Now, the old Hoyt, because I'm like a Hoyt guy through and through kind of. So the old Hoyt guys, they used to always love, always fletch left cable slide there. You want your arrow just spinning mm-hmm. away from the cable slide for fletching clearance, right? So you can move that like Podium X or that um, Ultra Elite or whatever you can, where you can move the cable slide in. So that le- fletching left would just give yep. you a little bit more clearance, right? So yep. I always say if it spins left, fletch it left. Yeah, it might be one of those things where Shoot a left beveled single. Uh, like it's just ri- we have so many options. Just roll with what it's doing, you know. Like don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. Why would you want to fight something? Yeah, it's. Uh, I I've tried both. I still I still I still right yeah. fletch, and it's probably just because I'm used to it. I've done it forever. I, it's like you're saying. I haven't really noticed any point of impact difference. And for me, it's like not so embedded into my head that it, it messes with my mind. I feel like a lot of archery is that way. Like if if it, it's so much mental, right? And and so much of it is confidence in you know your equipment and your own abilities and your process. And I feel like if that's a little thing that you can do that you feel like that arrow is more accurate, then why not, right? Fletch it left. You're just going to throw it left and just go out there and, you know, have that little bit. Yeah, I fletched mine right to like two years ago. And there was just like we like we completely debunked the way it spins off a right-hand twist string. Like Tom even was shooting arrows Mm -hmm. with no center serving, like just tying like knock points on the bare string and just putting like a huge D loop on it, like crazy tight. So like there wasn't a drop fire or something he was doing this on his own time and his own bow for no money right and it's just it got so yeah. debunked it's like just fletch the direction and at that point i was like okay i guess i'll just buy a like a left it's a burger clamp from gohan or whatever you know you know what i mean at the time it's just like <laughs> yeah. I, okay it's yeah. 25 bucks yeah. i'm just gonna buy the left clamp i know my strings spin to the left i've clocked them you know years ago and i'm like okay but yeah. i've got like a whole wall full of trophies with right helical arrows so does, does it matter <laughs> It only matters. Yeah, if it's, it it's matters in the head. That's what like, I'm saying. Even if, I it this way, yeah, I'm if, like, if it's I, in your head, I just don't see anything. So my right clamp just kind of sits there, and mm-hmm. it's just for no reason other than <laughs> I've got my jig set for a left helical now, and I don't want to move it. Right. So. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's that's good. Good good feedback because, like I said, I hear a lot of people talking about it, but I don't know that I've ever heard it completely fleshed out right. like you just did there. So I appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to ask you about serving and specifically, I wanted to ask you, uh, a couple of questions. One being, uh, knock fit. So, you know, you pop your knock on the string and you want your knock. My understanding is that if you're going to pluck that string, essentially you want that knock to pop off. Right. So the, the size of your serving is important. Uh, even more specifically to the knocks that you plan on shooting, right? Because some, some knocks I shoot gold, I have, I've shot gold tip knocks. They're a soft knock. I don't personally think that they're the best, most durable or even accurate knock in my opinion, but they do have a good knock fit with most center servings. Um, when, when somebody orders a set of strings from you, is that something that you talk to them about? Do you think about knock fit with the knocks that they're trying to, to trying to shoot, and then uh, kind of a follow-up question to that is if somebody gets a bow, they've got a bow string on it, maybe they bought the bow brand new and they find out that, you know, the knock uh, fit isn't what they want it to be. Instead of trading out knocks, they want to shoot a knock like an X knock or, you know, a G knock or something like that from Easton, which is a good knock. And they want to reserve that center serving tighter, tighter or smaller, smaller diameter, essentially to get a better knock fit. Is that something that somebody can do on their bow 
at home and is the limbs providing enough tension on that that they can sure. serve? Yeah. It? Yeah. That's no, a long that's question. a great question. That's I mean, a, that's probably a one of the best questions probably is very relevant, right? I think so. I mean, there's, there's, there's really no standard, right? So like a typical, I would say every single boast, like, bow manufacturer out there if you were to matthews is probably about the smallest center serving you'll find like when you like i think matthews mm-hmm. is pretty damn spot on for like 108 to 110 thousands all the time like on their strings and i think they mm-hmm. use a 22 strands uh shooting string I, I maybe i feel pretty confident they are um based off how waxy the material is they typically use um but like they mm-hmm. they really get that like 110 number um and they're using like a 62 xs type serving um or something along that line mm-hmm. on their center serving. And that's a great number to hit. So like, no, I cannot call every single human being that places a string order with me and like babysit center serving numbers. Sure. Right. But there has to be a standard, right? Like you have to, that's part of your business model. Mm-hmm. So like, you, you know, when you and I first yeah. talked, I kind of sent you a long, like, I don't know if it was a text or like an Instagram, mm-hmm. like message or something like, Hey, here's my spiel. Don't like it. Go somewhere else. Almost, you know, like not being a, a dick about it, but um, sure. like, this is how I no. b- built my business and here's the luck I've had with it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, about 110,000 is about as universal as you can ever imagine. So I say like 109 to 110. Now, everybody today, whether or not you're like an archer, new archer or anything, I don't think there's anybody that's into archery right now that probably didn't come from an uh, from a rifle background or, you know, mm-hmm. military or some sort of engineering or like a pair of calipers at Harbor Freight is $20. So there's no reason anybody shouldn't mm-hmm. have a pair of calipers and be taking these measurements when they get a, you know, they get a bow right out of the factory and they clip the knock on and, oh man, it's just, it's too stiff. You can't, you know like you said, pluck the arrow. Like I always say, knock an arrow on there and like, just come up from the backside of it and just give it like a tap. That thing should fly right off. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I almost like mine, like I like mine almost not slightly on the larger side. I'm like a 110 to 112 guy. Um, depending, but like mm-hmm. you said, it's all knock based. So there's too many knocks to keep up with anymore. Like I have like, like, so the biter hunters are very popular like through my target community. The biter hunter is number one stable, right? You have to be 113 to 116. And if you're any smaller, it doesn't yep. work. And if you're any bigger, it doesn't work. It's a very precision knock. Yep. And then you go down to like the smallest stuff, the AEIP. That's as small as like, yep. you need to be 108 to 111 max on that, right? The Easton Deep Six is 109 to 112 for a good fit. Um, the gold tips mm-hmm. really like like 111 is a really good number to be at um, mm-hmm. on the AccuNock, I believe it is. So I kind of just fall yep. into that like, middle category and if somebody sends me you know on the order form you know a specific measurement they need to hit like yeah i can hit within a hundred thousands top to bottom of that for sure so then piggybacking Mm -hmm. into your next question is is it a good idea to do this you know with your bow on the ground or in your bow press you know under no tension just enough to hold the bow and support it it's good enough to replace on your factory strings but do not ever order a set of my strings and take it and cut the center serving off it right away because you just ruined the whole string. Because you will never be able to match the serving tension that I put on that center serving. Like pound for pound, yeah. when I put the servings on there, it's at the highest break strength before that serving will fail. There's a very fine line like yep. before you overstretch the material and before it just fails. That's where those servings are put on mm-hmm. for all my servings, on the cables, the shooting string, and the center serving. So when you cut that off, you are literally ruining that bowstring in all of its integrity and everything I back with that string and probably every other string building gotcha. out there, but you know, do that with your factory strings, find the numbers you need to hit. If you need to, just like you said, you're going to order a set of custom strings, 
you're going to hash all this out being who you are. You're going to hash this out when you call me and order mm-hmm. a set of strings and you're, you're going to give me those numbers you need to hit. Yeah. And that's kind of like where yeah. these podcasts come into play. Right. So hopefully new people can see this podcast and they can go, okay, well I can do this and then never cut off Austin center serving ever again, you know, or, yeah, I mean, the take-home messages is don't cut off your center serving. You're, the way that you build it, you're better off at that point. If, if you haven't talked to you and you haven't figured out what that diameter needs to be for your knocks that you're planning on Call shooting, a guy like me, you know, get your new and bows. ask. Call, 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 call a guy and ask, but if, if, if you do just order a bowstring, you get it, you put it on your bow and you find out that the knocks you're shooting are too tight. At that knock, point, that yes. sounds like, like the easiest issue. And that's something. And then you have this other crowd of people that just like to tinker with stuff. Yeah, I do. I know. But, you know, <laughs> but they like I, buy I, the I, new I set it. of strings only to like, <laughs> they might not even like have put a knock on Right. And they're just like, Oh, I just want to use mm-hmm. like halo center serving. Well, dude, halo center serving was not designed for compound. It's too slick. It will slip. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a center serving type material. Like that's angel majesty, like yeah. power grip. That's what that was designed for. Right. So mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's talk yeah. about serving just real quick. Uh, what do you, what do you recommend for serving? Not, not just, you, you just mentioned sure. center serving. Majesty. Yeah. Yeah. Like angel majesty. It's, it's hard. It's a hard product to recommend to recommend in these times. It's a foreign product. Okay. So like that's mm-hmm. angel Japan. Um, but you know, the Japanese yep. market is not the China market. The Japanese folks are amazing people. They, they make some, they're the most OCD people on the planet. And man, some of these like I, angel I majesty, gotta... I would be, I would laugh if anybody challenged me to say there's something better than angel majesty in 021 or 018. Like, dude, it, it, it's the best mm-hmm. there is. Like, I don't care if BCY called me tomorrow and was like, yeah, like whatever. And like, I even told you the first time you ordered a set, I was like, yeah, I'm not using angel anymore. It's, it's not imported. Like, I'm having good luck with the BCY stuff and I, and I am with power grip. It's, I really think it's a great product, but it, it, it oftentimes gets a little too large. And that's going back to the very beginning of this podcast with the, with the materials that are available now and the variance in sizes gotcha. and stuff like, Oh, 21 angel. I can kind of just use that on everything. And mm-hmm. 18 power grip like starts to get a little bit too big. And I really feel like you have to be in that like one Oh nine to one twelve category to, to be competitive and like have your customers mm-hmm. constantly be happy. And like, nobody calls me and tells me my center serving separates. That's a call that doesn't happen yeah. anymore. Like four or five years ago, it did. Yeah. And that was four or five years ago. You make it right and you move on and then you learn from it. And now it's to the point where it's like, I don't hear yeah. about my centers ever, period. And, and same with cable yep. servings, right? So what, what are you, yeah, what so are you for using cables, for cable I, servings? I definitely think like BCY uh, 014 Halo in black and white is the two best mm-hmm. options. So when they when they dye these, uh, you know, a lot of people like the colored servings. And they can look good. I think they're a great option for a natural set of strings or a uh, solid white set of strings. Like it gives it that good pop. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is when it, this is another one where that's going to have a variable opinion between me and maybe – um, I know the group of people that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we all side with color serving sucks because um, when you serve it mm-hmm. tight, how a bowstring should be served, there's no color left in it by the time you're done serving it. It turns transparent and you've seen yeah. it, I'm sure. Um, yep. Now with a white set of strings, mm-hmm. that little bit of dye that's left in it from the guys that actually serve their strings tight enough, it still looks good on a white set of strings. Like it's, it's viable, but you know, that 014 advertised diameter on a flow green halo is not 014 it's like 016 and that's not a good bet mm-hmm. um so, so you know we're looking for you yep. know 
uh, function over appearance for sure. Right. Like, yeah, I just want to build you a solid set of strings that you never have to think about. Um, now yeah. there's like, you have 3d serving, which is a great option for like a shooting string, right? That's another, a very cheap economical serving. And, uh, you can serve it as tight as you want. You'll never get peep rotation. Um, your D loop will always stay straight. Mm -hmm. It's just a very like resilient serving to having issues with. And a lot of new string builders, it's a great option to use in it. Like on Matthew's bows, um, some of these wider shooting track, but shooting string tracked bows, it's a great option, man. You won't have any issues with it. It's not going to last four years if you shoot as much as you do. Like Halo will, but you're yeah. talking, you know, uh, there is no retail price, you know, so look at like the retail price on a spool of um, 3D. It's like 16 bucks, but that spool of Halo is 37. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you know, we're yeah, into the gear double. world, you know, us, um, and, you know, the more you pay, typically the better the product and that's just the way it is, you know. Um, yeah. so I don't offer 3D servings with my bow strings personally, because I feel like I'm doing a mm -hmm. disservice to my customer by not offering the best product that I can. And it's very hard to build a good yeah. shooting string with Halo. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about yes. peep rotation. Why do peeps rotate? You no, know, I still haven't figured that is out. Is there I'm anything more? Is there anything more no. annoying on planet Earth? I mean, obviously <laughs> if my cables were moving, I would have like way more frustration because you can always like fake the peep, but you can't fake timing issues. Right. But yeah, I mean, there's sure. definitely an art to that. Like, you know, and I, I think, Honestly, in, in all fairness, like I can't say I'm a hundred percent on that either. Like, like from what I can tell, like I'm not going to send something. Like I sent you a little video. I don't want to go into, I think uh, on the last set mm -hmm. I built you, I'm kind of like how it should look right. Like a video of mm -hmm. how the bundle needs to look between different amounts of tension on it. Like that one, I can yep. stamp that sucker, throw it in the box and be like, Hey dude, like, you know, you're not going to have any issues from a QC standpoint all my strings get shipped that way. Like, I don't care if, like I said, if you're, if you're, if you shoot a diamond, uh, like your, like your youngest kid shoots like a diamond atomic, you know, or infinite edge, like I'm going to build mm -hmm. that same quality nice. string for that mm -hmm. kid with no compromising it. But I mean, what causes it? Okay. So too much tension in the twist. So like, obviously when you serve a string, if you serve it at a normal specified, like maybe what 90% of people serve a bowstring at, I would say, would be somewhere between six and 10 pounds of serving on the, and we're talking like how it peels mm -hmm. off the reel, like how, the tension mm -hmm. of what it pulls off the jig at. That's not tight enough to build yep. a string that's going to last in today's cam tracks for any amount of time. Like you might make it a season on them. And if you're a guy that changes your strings out every year, you might get sucked into using that same string builder year in and year out, but you're never going to let it go through like the paces to where it's going to actually hold up. But the guys that mm -hmm. like I serve my cable, my cables, my yokes, the shooting string, the center serving, all at the same tension. And that's as tight as it can go. So, we're, you know, 18 to 20 pounds of tension on Halo. So we're looking at almost three times the amount of tension on the jig. Now, when you do that, I take my string off the machine. There's so much peep rotation in it. You laugh. The string looks like it's dancing like a jig. But there's hmm. setbacks that you can use that are built into your formula. So, like, when I build a string, I don't tension, I don't, quote, unquote, stretch it for any set period of time. But there's things I do afterwards, you know, where I come out short, like the last set of strings, I built you a 60 inch string. I came out at like, uh, 59, uh, like whatever, 59 and a quarter or 59 and three quarters, or maybe a little less than that or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then I lengthened the string out from there. Now it's called relaxing to that length. Mm -hmm. It's built in my formula. And basically what's happening before I lengthen that string out at that point, which taking twist out or whatever you want to say, 
that string, the peep tag would roll 360 degrees and it's unshootable product at that point. It looks knotted up and just mangled, but you have to build that yeah. into your formula and that starts all at the initial layout on how that works and how many twists you actually put in the bowstring um, to come out to hit those numbers every single time. So there's, it's called a setback. Okay. Gotcha. And you don't have to do that if you don't serve tight, but if you want to, you know, build a product that's going to last your end user or myself, cause I hunt like 80 days a year. So I need it, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. So you, you build a shooting string. When you pull my string out of the package and you're holding it by the end loops to install it, are you feeling like it's wanting to untwist a bunch? If it did, that wouldn't be a, there would be rotation in that string, but it, it kind of has a yeah. limp feeling when you're holding it. Right now, if I use like yep. a regular twist ratio, like say maybe 80% of the other string builders out there, like a standard twist ratio in a string would be, and it's right on BCY's website. They say like on a 60 inch string and I'm using this because it's the last one I sent you. So and it's a very common length. So on a 60 inch string, a pretty mm -hmm. standard twist rate on that would be somewhere between 42 and 52 twists. I put like 68 twists mm -hmm. in that string and there's, Gotcha. Other professionals that do this would would argue that it's impossible to build a solid zero peep rotation string where the D lobe don't move, the peep don't move, with anything over fifty five twists. And when you tell them you use Halo serving on it, they just call you a liar. It can't be done. Trump. Hmm. I know. I'm just, I, I know. I'm just saying. I just <laughs> but there's there's people and people that make uh, very proclaimed posts on the internet if you know where I'm going. Um, yeah. Those are the people that yeah. make these claims um, that it can't be done in other podcasts. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's interesting. I just know, I, I just know that peep, peep rotation is like the bane of my existence. I hate it. I, I've had, I've had peeps, I've had strings that uh, I've set up and even, you know, you get the string set up and it will sit at rest on the Looks bow, good. you know, at a quarter turn and, and, it, and yeah. it'll come back straight. When you like you're looking it. through it straight. I, yeah, when I shoot it, but I, I can't, can't personally, I can't, I can't stomach it. I just don't like it. I don't want it to sit in the, the string sideways, a little sideways at all, I ever. my freaking line, bro. Yeah. But D-loop's got to stay I'm straight. I'm telling you. Got, just, it's, it's an OCD. And we're just, you know, we're the worst case yeah, scenario here, you and I. We're just, you know, critics of this, so. Yeah, there's, there's nothing more unnerving to me than, you know, having a buck or a bull uh, that I've worked really hard for and I look down and I go to draw my bow and my peep is sitting, you know, kind of cockeyed. And I think to myself, six inch right miss. it's going to come back. It's it's going to come back straight, but then I don't know. You know, I just, I hate that. I don't, I don't like it. I can't live with it. It's got to, it's got to sit flush at rest. Well, it's got to come it, back straight. Still, so. You know, even still, I'm really confident what I'm doing. I'm, I'm spot checking everything before I send it out. Like I said, it's not like I'm mm -hmm. just serving it, popping it off the machine, putting it in a bag. There's a period like, so, yep. as, and that's another thing I should have mentioned earlier too. So as long as that string, let's just say it's raw string material and I tension it on my, my, my jig and I serve my end loops under tension and then I twist it under tension and then mm -hmm. I crank it up to this tension and I serve it under tension there's a time frame in there too. So let's say end loops, let's say, let's give that six minutes. Let's say twisting it was two minutes under tension. And then let's say it took me 18 minutes to serve that string under, you know, a very high tension that I particularly use that might not work for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. Let's say that total time frame is like 21 minutes. That's how long at a minimum that string needs to sit before it's measured. Because gotcha. it will shrink too. So like I said, when I still have to take my string and 
untwist my string to get the peep good and everything. There is a time frame in there too, where it will shrink. Oh, about 0. 0.8, 0. 0.08 inches. So a little over a 16th in <laughs> shrink is what I see in my strings. Now at that point is the only time that I care that that peep tag in that string, when I'm eyeballing that string bundle in between moving it up and down and poundage is that the bundle is not moving at all under tension. Up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. The bundle is staying solid. There's no movement yep. in the bundle. So any movement in the bundle is going to represent what yeah. it's going to show into the peep side, of course, and the D loop, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, so there far is you're a period batting of time a thousand with. with... <laughs> Good. That's all I care about, dude. I really don't care about the money. I don't care about anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, so far you're batting a thousand with the strings I bought from cool. you. Know, all the peeps. All I mean, the peeps and here's the thing: you, come back it's not your first set of strings you've installed, dude. No, it's not your first set of strings. And that's the next question. I yeah, that was the next so thing I was going to ask you. People, is what do you think are the most? Yeah, I mean, new people are going to get a set of strings. They're going to pull it out of the package, you know? And, like, I have my own process to go in and, like, I don't ship bows out of here with sideways peeps. I mean, gosh, that would be so counterproductive, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, I think there's a there's a way you need to do it. Like, like the peep site needs to go in first. Then the D-loop the loop goes on. Like, I'm so picky when I set a bow up here. Like, right, I've just got piles of D-loop material around anyways. But I cut off just, like, like as soon as I put the strings on, I cut off like a little three inch piece, burn the ends. I just tie on like a D loop in the middle of the, the center serving. And I put it in the drawboard and I time the cams before I even set the, before I even have a D loop or a knock set. Like I'm installing it. A, a two second D loop, right? Just right. Your, your little clove knots, mm -hmm. cinch it down. Just barely anything, just enough to hold, put it in the drawboard, get the cams perfectly timed, draw the bow four or five times like that, settle everything in, pull it back off, put it back in your bow vise. Now you want to set your, you know, your, uh, however you tie your knock sets in, right? Get your knock sets tied on. Now mm -hmm. you're going to get your knock sets tied in first. And I usually, I'm not a big double knock set guy. I like one on the bottom. That's it. I don't like an upper set of knocks, that's, just myself. And then I'll start the, like I before I even put the arrow on and get everything leveled. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, you know, just tie the top D loop knot. That's enough to hold the arrow in place. Right. For when you're mm -hmm. leveling your rest and getting everything all squared up through the burger hole. I've just got my top knot. Tie in my bottom knock set, and then I go and I install the peep to where it was out of the last set of strings. Even on a new bow, I tell everybody, set the bow up with the factory string. Take those numbers. Those numbers are just going to replicate right into the new set. And you've got a very gravy install, right? Put your first little – and I send out D-loop material with all my strings, right, for, you know, yep. not four inches either. I send it like a foot or more so people can do multiple loops with them. Yeah. But, you know, just get a pre – I call it a pre preliminary loop, right? Get it on, get the cams time because when you, if you tie your D knock sets in your D loop first and you have to put two twists on the top cam, well, you just move your D loop down. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're gonna you have to go through that so. first, right? I mean, why not go through all that first and then go through and then you get your peep in there, you drop your peep and the peep's going to sit straight. Now, since your D loop on straight with it, dude, go out and shoot the bow. It's not going to move at all. But you put yeah. the, you put the D loop when, on when, first and then you put the peep in. The mm -hmm. peep's going to stay straight. Your loop's going dead to the left on my strings. Sorry. It's just, that's how it's going to work. Gotcha. You, uh, when you, when you put a peep in with your string and let's say somebody needs to make an adjustment to that peep, whether up or down, how do you advise people to do that? Make, making that adjustment. Do you, I mean, I think it's typically, uh, like a pro shop, most pro shops that I've been to, they'll tell you, have you, you know, you draw your bow back and then have your buddy, you know, make that adjustment either up or down when you're at full draw with your peep. Like what's, what do you recommend? I mean, I've, I've had like adjustments to, I'm peep? not a big fan. Like I saw so like on my bows, I go, I go through the right steps, right. With the factory string or whatever. When I get sent a bow, um, 
I don't ever have a peep issue ever with my bows. And it's not like I'm doing anything fancy with them here behind the scenes to like tweak them. So the peeps always perfectly straight with the loop. It's just like, I know mm-hmm. how to install a set of strings. My peep height varies. Like um, I play with too much gear. So like from one year to the next, like I've got an Arxo site right now. It's got a little smaller housing on it. I can get away with like, I don't care if mm-hmm. my peeps like an eighth of an inch bow to bow. Your peep height's never going to be the same. Like it's not six and a quarter on every no. bow. Right. So you know, mm-hmm. and then, I don't know, like, I don't, I just don't struggle with those issues. Like I just, you know, use the peep marker in there. Now, if that peep marker is dead sideways, um, like you can obviously use the site and kind of fudge your site, whether or not you move like the, the trap, the vertical gang travel up or down a little bit, mm-hmm. like on the arc. So, so you'd loosen like yeah. two screws, move the head up or down. Well, it, you can put your peep yeah. at your normal six and a quarter inch height and then use the head to bring that into alignment instead of having to move the peep side up or down. Yeah. I don't ever put a twist or a half twist in my string. I just, don't ever have to. I never yeah. have to. And especially like Halo Surf uh, strings, I, it's not really a good option the way that I build them. And I would say it's probably less forgiving than maybe like if I use 3D, you could probably put like a full turn into it. Mm-hmm. You know, like Halo is yeah. not very forgiving. Like how it comes out of the bag, how I send it to you is how it needs to be on the bow. And it might be like counterproductive to some people, but I don't get enough. Like I don't ever get complaints. So I'm not going to change, Yeah, you know? So, so let me, let me rephrase it and ask if, let me just make sure I'm understanding if, if you had to slide your peep up and down in your oh God, always press adjustment it. to peep pipe oh when always you press always it. press yes. it. Like, well, yeah. I mean, right. You, like yeah, you get a never, tweener, like a little one where it's like, gosh, darn it. It's just a little, cock yeah. guy, just a little bit like put it in the bow press and yeah. then just slide it down just a hair, you know? Or yeah. let's say maybe you went to the bow shop and it, it's, you know, it's just slightly cockeyed and it's driving you nuts, but it's perfect. You can fudge the tie-in above and below a little bit. Okay. So if like, I'm trying to think I probably will mm-hmm. be inaccurate. So I'm not going to be too detailed on this, but I like 3d serving for tying and peeps because it's, it doesn't affect peep rotation. Like if you use halo to tie in your peep site and you reef on it, you might be getting too tight to where you're influencing how that peep, the peep you can cause rotation, right? Like a little bit, like it'll move Mm -hmm. just a little bit on the draw. Um, 3D kind of doesn't really, you don't really have that issue. Now, some people will like serve and suck it all the way down on the V. And like, that's really counterproductive. Don't do that. Um, But if you do that and you have 3D, it's like 3D serving is way better, a way better option. But what I tell people is like, okay, start tying your top serving in. Always make sure on a clockwise twist bowstring, even when you're doing the peep tying, you're serving up from the top. Like, let's say you've got the peep side on your left side, okay, in your bow vise, mm-hmm. and your bottom cam's on your right-hand side, and you're ser- starting at the top. You want to be serving over the string, working away from you. Now, when you go to the yep. below the peep, you're going to be serving under and back towards you, or flip the bow around and do it the same way, the opposite direction, which is what I tell people for uh, yeah. coordination purposes. Um, and then when you do but that, it, like it, you'll it, see on one side where it kind of like turns the peep a little bit, go just a little tighter on that mm-hmm. side when you serve and pull your peep serving in. And then on your top one, don't quite serve it as tight as you did the bottom. That'll bring your whole alignment in and it, it, it won't move ever. And that's just like, that's just like a little cheater yeah. way to get that perfect OCD peep alignment, you know? And that's like, yeah. you know, if I'm, yeah. if I've got a little bit of a tweener here on my bow setup, that's all I do. Like it's. I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. I just and, do it. And I've done, yeah, I've done that do as it, well. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just wanted to make the point though. Don't ever slide Never, your man. Like, down as you're making your adjustment. Is that yeah? It's, it's you know, like the, <laughs> you know, and another thing like the the Hamski and I love Hamski archery. They're like oh, freaking Hamski hat on right now. Like love Hamski products. Um, yeah. You know, and there's you know they're not the only ones, but there's a lot of bigger peep sites that are being used in the hunting market right now, and they are the least forgiving on cutting bowstring strands, and they all make great you know specialty mm-hmm. Hamski, and these people are just fantastic. And it's a great product, but the yep. bigger the peep gets, right, the more surface area you've got and the more it's spreading the bundle apart. And the more the bundle spreads apart, yep. the more likely you're going to cut that. You know, and that's I forgot to say earlier, too, that's another area where pinstripes don't shine. If anything, it's the and it still isn't the pinstripes fault. It's the end user's fault. Right. So mm-hmm. um, they're just, you know, tying it too tight yep. or they're, uh, you know, they're. Yeah, I mean, dude, 100 percent of the time it's always, oh. Hey, I stranded my string, got cut. Well, you can't lie to me. Like you move the peep without it being in a press. Sorry, dude. Like stop. I'm just calling a spade a spade here, guys. Come on. The, the the only bows I've ever seen, the only I should say strings, the only strings I've ever seen come apart were at the peep. And it was from exactly yep. that. From people sliding the peep up and down under tension and just causing a little bit of a you know enough that they've yeah. cut a strand and maybe one or two I did see, I didn't see it, but I had, I had a buddy that uh, had a string come apart at full draw at the peep and, you know, laid a, a nice cut down the back of his hand. And I, like, I've done it too. Top, it's but... stupid. Like, you know, better, you know what I mean? You, you, you know, better. And then like, I'll mm-hmm. be outside. Cause I've got like blessed with a you know piece of property. I can shoot, you know, 50 yards at, you mm-hmm. know, um, and I'll like, I've, I've done it too, man. Just stupid. Like I'm out there and I'm like, it just needs to go like, a 64th and I'll just like budget down a hair and then I'm yeah. like, you're the dumbest guy on earth. Like you just cost yourself a free hour of your own time, dummy. Like you don't even have time to do this, but let alone you're going to literally go back inside and have to rebuild another string for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Is this the urge? Cause like, the alternative, it's going the alternative is potentially is busted a strand. It always happens yeah. like right before hunting season. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're, if you're not building your own strings and you're reaching out to somebody like you, then, you know, you're putting pressure on you to build one and get it to you and get it retuned. It's just a disaster. Just don't do it. Don't, don't move. No, never. Like, yeah. Tension. Like if, even if you don't have a bow press, like just make the right call. Cause you're going to have to buy a string for me in that case. Like I, I I've just yeah. been down that road too many times. Like you can't fool me. You're going to have to buy that string. Um, like yeah. strings just don't break. Um, you know, and that's why, that's another reason mm-hmm. I shut my website off. Like my website is in, like, you can't even think about it. Like you can't even get to my order form. I, I encrypt that order form, like buried, gone and out of sight August 1st. Like it's, it's time to get the backpacks ready and <laughs> like get the hunting. Yeah. It's time, time to get hunting. my stuff ready, you know, like I, selfishly, I don't yeah. get any time to myself. So August is kind of like my sure. area to like get my food dehydrated and like get things packaged and go hunt. So. Yeah, we'll have to. I'll have to have you on another time where we could just talk hunting. I know this was a complete nerd fest, and you know, diving down the, the rabbit holes of it's, all things. It's fun. Most guys don't but, like. I can't keep. I, I'm surprised I kept your attention long enough. So. Okay, oh no, cool. I dig this stuff. This is like the. It's yeah. I mean, the devil's in the yeah. details for me. I I like this kind of stuff. I I geek out on. And, and again, I think I probably don't shoot. I know I don't. I don't shoot a high enough level to to probably be able to flesh out all the details and see the difference. But for me, it makes it's it's a lot of it's mental. You know, I I mean, you know, I go into the field. I want to know that my peep is straight. I want to know that my strings are solid. I want to to feel just complete and total confidence yeah. in the product. And have somebody so, that will stand behind um, you, right? I, like. 
Yeah, like, uh, like, yeah. I, so like, like, I and I, like you go on my website, like I've had people call me too. And like, that's something else that like hit on a topic, like warranty. That's another catchy phrase, like pre-stretched, mm-hmm. like in any product, right? Like, heck, yeah. when I buy a backpack from Stone Glacier, Kafar, or Exo, or whoever, any of these big mystery ranch, that is a selling point, right? Like, I need to make sure that that company is going to stand behind me if I start, you know, mm-hmm. wrecking stitches, packing out two L quarters, right? Um, that's mm-hmm. huge. And people call me all the time. For and they sure. bring that up. They're like, well, I don't, you know, I see you don't offer a warranty. Well, like the minute you place a string order with me, that's a handshake you've earned. Like you, like I've earned, I feel like mm-hmm. your handshake, you haven't earned mine. I've earned yours as a handshake. And if my handshake's not good enough for you to be like, Hey, I'll back this product. Then my handshake means nothing to you. So like, yeah. I don't have to have a written warranty. It's a perishable product too. Like backpacks are not necessarily perishable mm-hmm. to some degree. But we're talking like a card, like bowstrings. I look at them like a card and eggs, right? They're only good for so much time. Now, granted, longer than freaking card and eggs, I hope. Right? But, uh, you know, like there mm-hmm. is a limit to it, right? Like if a guy calls me back and he's got 15,000 shots on him, he's like, hey, like this, they're starting to come apart. Well, where the, you don't know where they've been. It's a perishable product. You know, you've gotten mm-hmm. a bad gallon of milk from the store yeah. in your lifetime. I know you have that it was before the expiration date and it yeah. smelled like shit when you opened it up, right? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. For you know, sure. and it's like, yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah, bad, bad batch yeah, of Yeah, and that's how, I mean, that, absolutely. But that, then at the time, though, you're like entrusting in the grocery store to take care of you, but there's no written warranty on that carton of yeah. milk or that thing of guacamole, right? Like, oh, that sounds horrible, dude. Horrible. No. Um, yeah. No, I, 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 and I learned a lot today. I mean, it was uh, a lot of details, just, just burning questions. It's like I told you when, when I asked you to come on, a lot of this is just going to be, you know, maybe, maybe people don't want to go this deep, but for me, I learned a lot. I mean, I debunked some myths and confirmed some issues that, you know, that I, questions that I had, uh, I, I certainly feel better about going back to shooting. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and having a, a killer set of looking strings, uh, yeah, so I, I was, it was really good. I appreciate it. I've kept you for an it's hour. Fine, man. No, this was fun. Like, minutes, like, so. like I said, I was like, we're going to nerd out on this one. And that's like, I love it, dude. I love it. It's yeah. fine. Because I can't really get many people, well, you know, you have the same talk with a lot of people. And yeah, I mean, there will be a lot of people that listen to this that are probably going to be like, that is like very reassuring to hear that. And then there will be somebody that like, there will mm-hmm. definitely be some people that click off at 40, 40 minutes into it, you know, because it's just, they don't, maybe no, they that's don't okay. want to hear it. Maybe they're, maybe it scares them. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, I mean, if maybe, anything, maybe to me, people, it's, like, it's, uh, you know, people, some people don't want to hear this, you know, at the same time, it's, it's too much knowledge. It's dangerous, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you, if so, you learned anything, it's that, uh, you know, you, you need to, to find a quality string, string builder. And there's some, I mean, there's some big, you know, companies, you know, ABB, awesome I think companies. makes a good string, yeah. um, you know, that. Yeah, they they do, and I mean we'll we'll probably start carrying those in the Go Hunt gear shop just for people that want absolutely to buy a, yeah. a replacement string. Absolutely. Yeah, but but for guys that want to, yeah for guys that want to go deeper, you know me included, I've always been a guy that I I really want a hand built string by somebody like yourself yourself. Sure. <laughs> uh, that that builds a quality product, and and I appreciate I, I love the craftsmanship in it. I love the you know, I love the, the tech side of it. I love the fact that you've, you know, dove deep into all the different diameters and servings and colors and like that just gives me confidence in the equipment. So, um, I, I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for giving me two hours of your time and, and, uh, hopefully we keep in touch. I'd love to have you on again some other time and just talk hunting. Cause I know you like, yeah, to absolutely. Too, so. Well, thank you so much, man. It's been an absolute honor to be a part of go on podcast. So love what you guys do. Yeah. And it's, uh, thanks, man. it's I... definitely, uh, let's <laughs> 
it's almost something time, buddy. That's all I got to say. So, yeah, yeah it's time. Well, thanks. Re- reach out. Give us a plug real quick yeah, before man. I cut you loose. Like somebody wants to get a hold yeah, of so you. Yeah, the best How way to get a hold of me, uh, Austin Kincaid on Facebook, uh, High Voltage uh, Strings on Instagram, or you can find me at uh, www.highvoltagecustomstrings.com. And I will not list my phone number here because it's that time of year. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.